Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, our podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one who keeps telling us she doesn't. But we're going to convince her she really does. Okay, then. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian for the Gwinnett County Public Library, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist. And guess what? I don't really like YA. <laughs> she will, though. She will. <laughs> Give it time. So what are you reading right now, Patty? So I am currently not reading a book right now because the book we read for this week sucked all of my will out of me. <gasps> wow. <laughs> it's a little spoiler how I feel about this week's book All right, well. it's been, it was tough to read I because like this book was also not my jam <laughs> and so I have a stack of books that I want to be reading <laughs> and I just keep coming back to this one because I have I had to get through it I had to read it so it kind of everything else went by the wayside because if I picked up another book and started that I would have I would have read that book instead of this one um, Sarah, do you have anything more positive to report? <laughs> I have started reading the second in the Aurora Rising series. Yay! Aurora Burning, yeah. So you may remember we started um, this podcast off talking about Aurora Rising, and this is book two. I want to read it. I've just barely, just barely gotten into it, so I really can't talk about it yet. But um, they have introduced a new kind of alien, which, sorry, Catherine, I know you don't like aliens, but this alien is very cat-like, and I know you like cats, so perhaps you will enjoy that, that Oh, species. I forgot about those. Yeah. yeah. I, they're fun. I'm intrigued. No, I really do want to read it. Um, <laughs> soon. I will be able to pick and choose what I want to read soon. The one sci-fi novel that, that you really want to read, and you're like, oh. I'm just excited that y'all you're gonna read it and we can talk about it. Yeah, not maybe not I can't on this wait, podcast, but because it'll be so much easier for me to read things I actually want to read. <laughs> Have you talked about why you can't read what you want? I think I've mentioned before in here that um, I'm currently on the Georgia Peach Award Reading Committee, but my service to the committee is ending uh, this month, actually. So soon I'll be able to read whatever I want, whether or not it qualifies as a candidate for the list. <laughs> Which is exciting. So you can read other titles. You just don't have time to really read them because you're supposed to be reading the other books, right? I mean, they're not forbidding you to read something that's not on their list. I mean, right. Right. But <laughs> there's very little time. Yeah, there's only so many hours <laughs> so in the day. So we have a giant, like, taller-than-me bookshelf in our office that is double-stacked with books that Catherine has gotten that she has to read for this committee over the past two years, and it's insane um i don't think she's read every single one of them but it it is a lot of reading um that's really only like maybe a third oh my gosh of the amount of books <laughs> i've had over my tenure with the committee the rest of them are sitting in boxes at my house so it's a lot we need to find a way to give some of these away i'm sure we'll come up with something <laughs> Ooh, maybe we should give one to our listeners Ooh. i i'm totally up for that we just got to figure out a good way to do it. So okay. stay, tuned, stay tuned, listeners. Yeah, we'll yeah, figure we'll out some, some sort of giveaway for y'all. Yes. But what I'm reading right now, or this time I'm listening to, is Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry by Joya Goffney. I've really only just started this one, but so far it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I really like how it's written, and it's 
pretty easy to connect and really feel for the main character, Quinn. Uh, so the premise of this one is Quinn has a very private journal that she has filled with uh, lists of, well, pretty much everything. So like the boys she likes, things she needs to do. And she just, she really doesn't want it to get out. It's got lots of secrets in there. Like she told her parents she got accepted to Columbia, made a fake acceptance letter, which she gave to them. She wasn't going to tell everybody else, but her parents told everyone. And they bought her a new Mercedes as a congratulations for getting into Columbia gift. So she has a lot of guilt about it. And one of the things on her to-do list is to tell her parents, but she just, she has not figured out how to do that yet. But anyway, her notebook accidentally gets picked up by her one of her study partners, Carter, who has an identical-looking notebook. So when she goes back and picks up the notebook, she's like, this isn't my notebook. Oh, no. And before Carter can give it back to her, it gets taken by <gasps> another classmate who is now blackmailing her and is going to release all of her list to the public unless she meets some of the demands of this blackmailer to complete the first page of her book, which is a to-do list of things to do, one of which is to tell her parents she did not get into Columbia. Mm, that sounds Ooh. intriguing. But right? so far, I, I really like it. Oh, you- and one of her lists is she has written down every time she has ever ugly cried, okay. which ties us back to that title. So do you like the reader? I do, actually. Because that I always think that's like an important part of the audiobooks. And it I was... Is- I just looked it up because I was curious who who was reading it. It's a uh, person named Jordan Cobb. And I clicked on the thing to see what else this person has done because I always like to see that. And there are a lot of, of good ones. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to check this person out because the, this person read A Song of Wraiths and Ruins and Class Act and Blackout, which is the short stories by a ton of authors. So, yeah, this I like this. I'm going to check this person out. They do a really good job with the characters. She does a different voice for everybody. This is one that's narrated just by the one reader, but you can tell as she's talking, which character, which character it, is. it is, which I really like. Yeah, so appreciate that too in audiobooks. Cool. Now on to today's topic. In our last episode, you hopefully remember the book Sarah chose for us to read is Small Favors by Aaron A. Craig. This one is classified as a fantasy title, but in my opinion, could fall into at least one other genre, maybe more. I'm not quite sure I consider it a fantasy. No. Or at least not a straight fantasy. What do you, what do you think? No. Yeah, I agree. I would it has not, horror elements. It's I think. really more of a horror novel to me and historical fiction. Although, is it right? historical fiction? Okay. Who knows? Because they never bother to explain what time period this book is happening or where. <laughs> All right, is- you can tell we have some strong opinions about this one. <laughs> And I will say right off the bat that when I assigned this, of course, I hadn't finished reading it. I had only gotten a few chapters in, and I was really intrigued by the concept. Um, However, as the book progressed, I found myself more disappointed. Sorry, Aaron A. Craig, because I'm sure that, I mean, you've done a good job writing. It's not that the writing is poor. It's really very good. But the plot, yeah. I really liked her previous novel, House of Salt and Sorrows. Like, I really loved that one. But, yes, I assigned this book called Small Favors by Aaron A. Craig. 
And um, let's talk about the cover of this book, which is actually quite attractive, in my opinion. It doesn't really tell you much about the story because it's all just um, pictures of flowers and bees. But it's beautiful. It is very pretty. This book is absolutely gorgeous looking. Yeah. It draws you in. It it just looks Yeah, and the end, the end pages are filled with bees and honeycombs and flowers. With like gold. It's yeah. gold and yellow. Yeah. It, it's just pretty. There's honey like dripping off the font in the title. Um, it is it is very pretty. Bees are a factor in the story, but not as big as the cover might have you. I believe. expected a lot. I thought the bees were going to be like super important, and then they're they're not. They're kind of fairly important, at least in the beginning, as to like their survival. Yeah, because that is their livelihood. But but then they're not. <laughs> I they're have not. a lot. Of yeah, there's a lot of issues. Okay, I really so. thought looking at this cover. I was expecting, because I I also read A House of Salt and Sars, and Erin Craig is very, she has a very um, gothic sense, and her books are, well, I like the prose in her books. I think she has a good turn of phrase, and this cover just draws you in. You think, oh, this is going to be rich and interesting, and yeah. I would say, though, I don't, from the cover, get um, a sense of, like, horror, that this is a horror book. I don't get a sense that this is a fantasy book. False sense of security. Yeah, if anything, I would think, oh, this is going to be a nice little story about, you know, a family on the prairie. It is very pastoral looking. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the synopsis. Ellery Downing is waiting for something to happen. Life in isolated Amity Falls, surrounded by an impenetrable forest, has a predictable sameness. Her days are filled with tending to her family's beehives, chasing after her sisters, and dreaming of bigger things while her twin, Samuel, is free to roam as he wishes. Early settlers fought off monstrous creatures in the woods, and whispers that the creatures still exist keep the Downings and their neighbors from venturing too far. When some townsfolk go missing on a trip to fetch supplies, a heavy unease settles over the falls. Strange activities began to plague the town, and as the seasons change, it's clear that something is terribly wrong. The creatures are real, and they're offering to fulfill the residents' deepest desires, however grand, for just a small favor. These seemingly trifling demands, however, hide sinister intentions. Soon Ellery finds herself in a race against time to stop Amity Falls, her family, and the boy she loves from going up in flames. I do love the tagline on the back of the book. Enter not the forest deep, beyond the bells the dark fiends keep. It kind of gives it a fairy tale element, and I know, at least with House of Salt and Sorrows, and I think this one too, they're kind of very, 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 very loosely uh, fairy tale retellings. Like the first one, House of Salt and Sorrows was supposed to be like 12 dancing princesses, to a degree, and then this one, I think I read or heard somewhere that it's like a Rumpelstiltskin type but one. It's it is, but it's not. I agree. Yeah. The only thing this has anything to do with Rumpelstiltskin is Ellery has to guess somebody's name and she's given three chances. And that's like four pages in the book. (laughs) Well, and also I believe Rumpelstiltskin was like, hey, if if you'll uh, do something for me, I will do something for you to save your life. And that kind of happens in this too. There's some bargaining going on where the, the human being gets the raw end of the bargain. Yeah. It, I, okay. But I did when I having said that, if I had not read a description that said the words Rumpelstiltskin, the words Rumpelstiltskin, I do not know would have jumped to my head. Yeah. It didn't jump to my head. Like 
I didn't hear that until way after I read the book. Yeah. Um, I do agree with Sarah when I started this book. I was like, okay, this is this is intriguing. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. And then I very quickly became not into it at all. <laughs> I, I never connected with any of the characters in this book. I had a really hard time getting into it to begin with. Like, I'm not, historical's not necessarily my thing unless it's like an event that was really, I don't know, cool or interesting. But like prairie life, which is kind of like this, not really my thing. The way I described this book to to somebody was this book is like Little House on the Prairie, but it's for people who like Little House on the Prairie, wanted it to be creepier and more depressing. (laughs) Or if you like Target's new line of prairie dresses, this book (laughs) might be for you. Yeah, and you just want to be vaguely depressed and creeped out. Like, yeah, it's a downer. Like bad things happen and then they get worse and then they get worse and then they get worse. And and then everybody dies. And then, yeah, pretty much at the end. I mean, you know, you joke about not many people standing. Rocks fall, everybody dies. But no, seriously, guys, this this book, (laughs) it's just unrelenting badness. There's no win, I think. And right now, that's not what I want to read. I want to read a book that, I mean, even, even the win is, you know, spoilers, uh, Ellery lives. She makes it out of this disastrous, on-fire town um, with her sisters and the boy that she has fallen instantly in love with as soon as he shows instantly up. Instantly, for no reason at all. I, d- I don't understand that relationship. Uh, but it's not clear that they're going to make it. And what I want to know is, did her parents live? No idea. We don't know. No we idea. Because they're injured in a fire early on. The mom is injured in a fire early on, and they have to go to the city. Again, it's unclear when this is, where, when this is set. It, so who knows what city it is and how advanced the medical yeah. care in the city that is. Was where, you know, uh, we had been talking about originally how this was kind of like a, the village. Yes. Right. And so I was like, well, maybe the city is like advanced modern medicine. Because right. in the book, the injury she sustains from this fire and the collapsing barn, there's no way I mean, it in would, the time period we think this is set right. in that she would have survived. It would be difficult to survive it today. Right. Yes. Let alone, yeah. They're using honey to treat her burns. Right. Like There's the bees. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, the way the bees are played up in this book, I expected the bees to be like, I don't know, magical or something. And at the end of the book, she's like, okay, bees, I uh, hope you live. I got to go because the whole town is on fire. I love you, but see you later. And I'm like, oh, oh, I guess the bees aren't that important after all. All right. Sure. The other thing that drove me bonkers about this book is it's it's boring. Like they'll have a dead monster, like a dead monster's body is there. And everybody's like, oh, it's a dead monster. Okay, 75 pages of Little House on the Prairie stuff. Like we, we don't discuss the fact that there's a dead monster. Yep. And like no one seems to care. Not as alarmed as they would be, I would think. Should and be? maybe that's because this is supposed to be a fantasy world. I mean, they talk about how there used to be monsters and we got rid of all of them, but oh, they're back. This book also has a lot. So the the, the point, kind of the premise of this book, for, for those of you who have not read it, probably that's a lot of people because it is relatively new, is the evil is, is in ourselves. What it turns out is there are 
these creatures that come and they feed on discord and they um, basically just want to watch the human world burn. But really all they do is suggest things that the town people can do. The one girl wants a chocolate cake for her sister's birthday and it turns out in exchange for that cake she went and knocked over a few things in uh, their neighbor's barn and she ended up getting really into it and so she trashed his whole barn and then he retaliated by setting their fields on fire and that was the fire that burned their mother and it's like and of course, all of this stuff, because it's told from Ellery's point of view, she doesn't know all these exchanges are happening. So this all comes out in, like in the last like 50 pages, 60 pages of the book, what's actually going on in this town. So that I also feel is like, I kept waiting. I was like, okay, this synopsis said that there are deals and that there are people who are making deals and, and that doesn't become clear until the very end. And I just wanted more from this book. I don't know what I wanted from this book, but I just, I felt it was boring and yet creepy and and gory and it was gory like there was way more gore in this book and animal death which really bothered me i was afraid i was really scared at one point that she's like um ellery's like having this hallucination sort of thing and she's like jamming her pitchfork into this hay barrel did you think it was gonna be the cat yes I did too I was like oh I I don't know if I can handle a cat death like I the horse death and like all all the ant like there's a lot of animal death in this book the word viscera was used multiple times and (laughs) that is more than I want to think about well I kept also waiting for things to kind of like tie together more neatly um and I feel like I was left with plot points that were never really explained. Um, I also didn't like the insta-love that Ellery had for um, Whitaker, and that's one of my problems with a lot of YA titles is people fall in love, and there's really not an explanation for, but why? Why did you love that guy? Like, because he's there? Because he's a new face in town and he's not your brother and there's not a lot of boys to choose from like I don't know what it was about him other than that he was cute and different that appealed to her and they don't really explain that but yet she's willing to you know give up a lot of things for him I also found it creepy when you because okay it's pretty obvious when he shows up that he is part of the bad things that are causing this because otherwise it's like especially if you listen to the audio version where the narrator uh reads his lines right from the get-go as though he's a bad guy oh interesting yeah he's just very suspicious and Ellery just doesn't even it doesn't even occur to her to be suspicious of him and I'm like okay girl come on but you find out that he's been watching her for years and it's 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 not I don't find that romantic I find that creepy and kind of stalkerish yeah like since she was a child which is even creepier to me yeah it's very like he fell in love with her at first sight when she was a little girl you're a grown man like ew well yeah there's that I I, yeah I don't know it was that okay so that was you know I don't like the insta love thing and I also I found 
Ellery, and now maybe again, because I was listening to the audio version and you have to, you know, you're experiencing it the way the narrator reads it, but I found Ellery to be very whiny and her sisters were very whiny. And I got to a point in the book where if she says, oh, what's happening? One more time, I'm going to lose it. I, I need you to grow up. Now, it's not like she didn't do things that were brave, but in the version that I experienced, everything she said was in a tone of voice that was like pleading and needling, and it drove me crazy. That's I, really interesting because I didn't get that from reading I also the book. listened to it. And, yeah. I mean, huh. it was fine for Sadie, the youngest sister. Right. Because I mean, she's like six or something. Yeah. She's oh. eight. Oh, she's eight. Okay. They have a birthday. That's right. I forgot. She's also <laughs> whiny. I mean, she is whiny, but she's still... She's eight. But she's, she's eight. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because I, the one thing I will say, I didn't get that sense. Like she's not written in a, in a whiny way. I don't know why they made that choice. I think she's a little naive. I was going to say dumb. She's not dumb. She's very smart. She is naive, which I get. She's lived in this town, which feels very cult-like. They have all these rules and like and a punishment tree and a uh, yeah there's a punishment tree yeah and it's definitely um women are not on equal footing with the men and and Ugh. there's like that um the stigma of who you're allowed to be uh, like you can't be seen alone with this person like I'm um young girl and a guy that are single oh my gosh they can't be alone together that's scandalous so yeah and I just I didn't like anybody in this book. And like, you're not supposed to like anybody in this book. They're all, because again, the horror is, is us. And like, it's, um, remind me a lot. There's a, there's an old episode of the Twilight Zone called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, which is, um, the whole premise is this one idyllic street. There's like a flash in the sky and all the power goes out. And the neighbors come out and they're like talking about things. I'm like, what do you think it was? And they're like, oh, it's probably just a meteor. And um, there's a kid who's like, oh, this is like the plot of the book I was reading where it's aliens and they're invading. And there's actually one of the families on the street was aliens the whole time. It's just like that book. And the adults are all like, that's nice, Tommy. You know, and then they start thinking more and more, oh, maybe it is aliens. And like by the end of the episode, they're like, like people are dead. And it pans out and there are aliens, but all they're doing is turning lights on and off. And they're like, we don't have to do anything. They'll destroy themselves. And that felt very much like this story. And that is not a story I want to read right now. I'm fine. I can read sad things or depressing things or, or even things where people go through trials, but I, I want that win at the end. And I also, I don't need to know how bad and horrible humanity is. Like, I think I've seen enough of that in the real world. <laughs> yeah, I see your point, but that wasn't really my issue with it. It was more um, the things I mentioned. and you know. But at one point, I did think maybe aliens were going to come into play because there's a crop circle scene. And I was like, where is this book going? <laughs> it is all over the map here. I, I was like, that. I think maybe there's shape-shifting involved. It turns out there wasn't. I thought maybe they were like, you know, what is this monster thing? I thought maybe it's a village thing where these people, you know, think that they're in olden times, but if they just crossed over the hill, everything would be okay. I, you know, is this an experiment being done on them? Like all kinds of thoughts through my head. We'll say when we got to that part, you know, my thoughts on aliens. I was like, no, 
I wasn't hating it. They never really explained. I didn't that. love it, but yeah, it was very just yeah, and like went. I feel like it was kind of all over the place. I do think it was very well written. Yes, the writing is. I good. love the writing style. Yes, I think that's why I dislike this book so much. Is it? I feel like it could have been so much better. <laughs> And I also know that a lot of people really love this book. I feel like I'm in the minority by by not liking it. I know like Goodreads, it has a really high rating on there. And I know you were saying that some people that you've talked to really like this book. So I, I just, I don't. Maybe we just aren't smart enough for it. I don't know. I don't say that. I just, this is not my jam. It is definitely other people's jam. They really like it. So like, I, I don't want to trash this book and say it's a terrible book. I will say it is not a book for me. Do you think it's a commentary on today's American society and how we are kind of at each other's throats for? Oh, yes. Okay. So that's maybe, maybe why, because it's uh, like maybe leaning into the metaphor and the actual plot takes a backseat to that. Perhaps. I'm not really sure. I definitely see writing this book. It came out this year, so she was probably writing it in 2020, and how everything happening in 2020 would tend to make you be slightly down on humanity. Yeah, and it probably, you know, that year felt a lot like this book, like what is happening and what now? And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I do think it's funny. I mentioned The Office to Catherine about how the House of Salt and Sorrows also has a big fire at the end. And I'm like, does she not? Is that how she ends all of her books? I'm super curious to know if that's how she's going to end all of her books. She's just going to set everything on fire. And that's what I was saying. Um, It kind of pays a little bit of homage, I feel like, to Stephen King. I'm kind of interested to see if she is influenced by Stephen King or like Stephen King, because Stephen King kind of like, burns everything down at the end I feel like oftentimes sometimes yeah I like his I like his writing too but I'm almost always disappointed by the end when it's just kind of like and then everything blew up well and I was gonna say they don't you don't always get that good ending right he definitely isn't writing the happy ending no like resolution and people are happy you don't necessarily get that and I mean both of both of her books are kind of kind of like that yeah I do think I feel like House of Salt and Sorrows there is a better ending Yes, I would. Yes, definitely. Because it, it kind of has an ending. Like, you know where it's going. She, Like I said, gothic is the way I describe this book. Is it, I love gothic. Well, House of Salt and Sorrows is it's like very gothic. Absolutely gothic. And this feels like prairie gothic. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. Gothic on the prairie. But I love gothic. I wouldn't say I love this book, but I didn't hate it as much as both of both of you do. I, yeah. You know what? I, I would say for like two thirds of it, I was I was there. I was confused sometimes, but I was there. It was just by the end when I realized that the author's not going to explain a lot of the things that I had questions about. And also, I think if I weren't listening to the audio version where the whining got on my nerves by the end of it, and then I didn't find the ending to be all that satisfactory. So, yeah. It was the, mean, se- the, the last third of the book, not so much. The first two thirds, I, s- I was with it. I, I said at the beginning, I had a hard time getting into the book, but... Oh, that's I, interesting. I Once I got into it, I was intrigued by all these things that were happening. So that's why I'm saying I didn't hate it. But then, like you were saying, it didn't really go anywhere. It didn't stick and the landing for you. The ending, yeah, the ending was just like meh to me. So I expected more with her brother, Samuel, too. And he just turned out to be 
a giant jerk. Yeah, I really felt like, oh, there's more to this, and we're going to find out more to this, his uh, storyline with his, you know, girlfriend and then ex-girlfriend, but I yeah, there just really wasn't. That was it. I hated Sam from, from the beginning. From the get-go. He was awful. Like, if we could curse on this podcast, I would. I, there are words I would call him. He was so jealous of Ellery. Like, you could tell from the very beginning. And because Ellery was yeah, getting more, almost no more praise or, like, the dad was putting her in charge of the bees or, like... Because he wasn't there. But that's because, right, uh, <laughs> he wasn't present. You can't get accolades and praise and like how fast he believed the lies about the girl he was seeing and like how fast he went from liking her to like shunning shunning her and just and how like he just he how awful he became and like the reveal about how he survived the i could see uh, that from the beginning i knew he just awful person when he survived and was covered in viscera viscera and (laughs) gore I was like, he killed them all. I don't, he didn't, did he? I don't think he did. I was like, also, I I feel like there's a lot of attention paid to the monsters in the woods that like never goes, like the monsters, there's two different monsters. There's the monsters that are killing people. And then there's like these like, dark folk. Is that what they were called? I don't know. They're like, I, they struck me they as like killing elves. killing the people. Well, they were, but they were they the ones killing the yes. people? I thought it was monsters that they created. No. I mean, there were mutants out there, but I don't think it was the mutants killing them. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, I thought, thought it, it was. was. That's not how I took it. Oh, we are. This, See, this we don't is, even know. That's that's part of the issue. There's a lot of like questions that remain. Because they never found like a pack of mutants. But they found that yeah, they dead They had mutant. all those kinds of monster things. Yeah, but they were able to kill them. They took their weapons, like, you know. Oh, that's and then, true. The weapons, but they were clearly killed by weapons. So either the dark walker or the dark watchers did it, or they killed each other. They could have very easily killed each I other. I mean, because, because that was kind it of it does the whole say thing. that in there that it was an animal attack. They, they it was plugged clearly, into all their uh, suspicions of each other, and but their how he jealousies. survived was trying to bargain away his sister's life. Here, take my sister. Clearly, an awful guy. But I mean, they. They couldn't accept that deal, but that was how he wanted to survive. Yeah. Was and here take Ellery? They didn't explain why he was an like. What is his motive for being awful? He's just awful. Some just people just awful. are. He's just awful. Okay, all right then. Well, now that we're kind of like in a bummed out dark space, <laughs> let's uh, move on and talk about what we're gonna assign for the next time. All right. So we're gonna do something a little different again for this one we thought it might be fun to take a look at what ya books checked out the most this year at gcpl we don't know what that book is yet but i can't wait to read it and let you know what we think you sound very optimistic and after reading this one i'm kind of trepidatious i'm trying to be (laughs) positive and optimistic it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it might be great (laughs) Come on, positivity. (laughs) Our YA readers are going to bring it home for us. They're going to give us something positive to read. They're going to do it. Okay. Let's read positive. All right. So this has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time where you'll find out what YA book checked out the most in 2021. 
and will spill the tea on Gwinnett County Public Library's top YA titles. Hopefully, Sarah will find at least one she likes. Mm. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading.